Hey, I know you're here for the podcast, but give me 30 seconds to talk about a new service we just released for anyone working in a CPG brand. Finding the perfect co-packer or supplier can be a real pain. You spend hours Googling options, texting your colleagues, asking around different Slack groups, and still you get nothing. That's why we created Fiddle Connect Consulting, a done-for-you service that does all of the hard work of finding your dream co-packer or supplier. Best of all, it's 100% guaranteed and you get three free months of Fiddle Inventory Operations software included. Interested? Just go to lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. That's lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. Now, on with the episode. Welcome to the Physical Product Movement, a podcast by Fiddle. We share stories of the world's most ambitious and exciting physical product brands to help you capitalize on the monumental change in how, why, and where consumers buy. I'm your host, Ken Ojuka. My guest today is Emily Edwards, founder and CEO of Emily's Foods. We talk about her brand, Paradise Snacks, that's focused on plant-based, allergy-friendly treats. She talks about her journey from being a social worker to following her passion for food and tasty desserts. Uh, She explains why she steered away from launching a restaurant or brick-and-mortar location and why she chose to launch a CPG product instead. Uh, She also gives great advice about how to connect with other food entrepreneurs and other communities that have been very helpful to her in her journey. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Emily. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Hey, pretty good. I appreciate you taking the time to to jump on this call with me. And um, I'm just very interested in digging into your business a little bit and, and hearing about your journey. Looking forward to it. Thank you for having me. All right. So to kick uh, things off, we like to, to ask you about a quote um, that, that you like to live by or something that's been impactful to you. Do you have one? Stay the course, regardless of the problems that come up and trust the process. That's excellent. Thank you. Well, um, let's hear just a little bit about your your background. Um, in particular, I found it interesting that you you were in social work before. Is that right? Yes, I'm a former social worker. I owned a private practice agency for about 15 years. And then in 2018, was really burned out and wanted to do something different. Not really sure what I wanted to do. Um, The one thing I was sure about is I knew that I still wanted to help people, but just not from a mental aspect. And so growing up in Mississippi, always was playing around in the kitchen with my my mom and my grandmothers. So that just kind of led me down the path of becoming a food entrepreneur. Oh, that's great. And so, um, you know, maybe you can uh, give us just a little bit more color about, you know, you said that you were feeling burned out. Um, Was there anything in particular about, um, you know, I think being a social worker would be very, very difficult, but was there anything in particular that kind of led you to, hey, I really need to make a change here? Just uh, the overwhelming feeling of just really when you're doing when you're doing therapy from a mental aspect, you're basically I call it walking through people's minds all day. Mm -hmm. And after a period of time that just 
takes its toll on you because to be effective, you really have to get to know people and you have to spend quite a bit of time with them to help them. And so for me, I had just gotten to the point to where I still loved helping people, but not to the extent that it was just, I was seeing 12, 12, 13 clients a day and I had just become totally burned out. And so I knew that I still could help people because once I realized that people have an intimate relationship with food, I thought, oh, this will be an easy transition to transition into food or so I thought. Right, right. Okay, well, um, we want to hear about this transition and the journey and um, we know it, it can be very difficult. You know, these things aren't you know, have a way of not being so straightforward. Um, but first, I just wanted to hear just a little bit more about about growing up in Mississippi and, you know, being in the kitchen with, with your family. Are there any memories that, that stick out that you could tell us or any particular, you know, foods that you like to prepare? Absolutely. You know, my grandmother, my maternal grandmother always made tea cakes. And it's like a, like a cookie, but it's just sugar, butter, and flour. But it's, you know, they were always so soft and they would just melt in your mouth. And I just, I can remember summers that she would make those. And with Mm -hmm. my mom, my mom baked a lot and she loved cooking. And she would experiment with recipes too. So I can remember as a kid sitting on the countertop and she's baking a pound cake or whatever kind of cake. And like, I literally loved licking the spoon and the bowl. So that was kind (laughs) of like the highlight for me to sit on the countertop. And as I got older, just to be in the kitchen. And as soon as she got through mixing everything to get the bowl and to just take my fingers and lick the the, uh, batter from the bowl. So that's that's just the memory that's ingrained in my mind from childhood. Yeah, I've got a a few kids myself and uh, and they definitely love that bowl and spoon. And sometimes uh, they like to fight over. (laughs) <laughs> who gets to lick the spoon. So I totally understand that. All right. So so tell us just a little bit about your journey. Uh, you know, on your blog and on your profile, you talk a little bit about your weight loss journey and that, how that led you to, to healthy foods. And um, yeah, I just kind of want to hear a little bit more about that story. Well, in 2015 is when I started the weight loss journey. I, I had gone through a divorce. So I was overweight and depressed and uh, really started the weight loss journey from there. So I went to the gym and I got a trainer and really started looking at food and, you know, calories, macronutrients and all of that. And so I lost about 60 pounds. Uh, wow, probably gained, well, uh, good job. Then I've gained it back at the disadvantage of becoming a food entrepreneur. That's <laughs> fo- so razor focused on getting your product out and getting it to market and branding that other things started to lack. So mine was exercising, not really doing the things that I should do. But anyway, uh, I started working with whey protein in 2015 during that time because I needed a snack that didn't have a lot of sugar and a lot of calories. So I started doing 100 calories or less muffins, protein muffins. And then in um, 2017, I went through a business uh, incubator class. And at that time, I thought I wanted to do a brick and mortar restaurant. Well, after completing that class, I thought, no, I don't want to do that. So I thought, I really want some kind of topping or icing or something to go on my muffins. So I started researching 
plant protein powders. And um, one of the things about plant protein powders is the graininess, the off notes, and just really, they're not the easiest thing to work with. And so I must have done about 30 or 40 different formulas in my kitchen. And I thought, nobody's going to eat this because it, it tastes like dirt. It literally tastes like dirt. So finally, <laughs> I got a uh, workable recipe in my kitchen. And then from there, this was 2018. And then from there, I uh, spent a year and a half down at Purdue Food Science Lab in product and research and development and walked away with paralyzed icing. Okay. Yeah. Could you tell us uh, just a little bit more about um, this relationship with what, what was it, Purdue? Yeah, Purdue Food Science Lab. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. How did that come about? From the program that I had taken, the culinary business incubator, I took that and the lady that was managing that actually connected me with Purdue Food Science. Because when I decided I wanted to do a topping or icing, I realized that I needed someone to help me formulate it. I needed a food scientist. And so she reached out to the science department and I got invited down. And then from there, once a month, sometimes twice a month, I would go down and spend the whole day down there and we would um, um, make the product, test it and just go from there. So it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. I really felt like I was in school again because you start you start to learn how ingredients work together. You start to learn about, you know, the safety of food and, you know, what is it shelf stable? Does it have to be refrigerated? you know, what you can and what you can't put in there and what, what it does when you mix these two together. So you start to learn about all of, you know, when you see a product in the store, it's a finished product. So you don't think about it. But when you're actually developing a product, you start to think, okay, I can do this. I can do that. And then you got to think about consumers. So it was just really bringing all of that together and understanding you know, how products work, how ingredients work together and what ingredient is going to work best with what ingredient and why you should use that one as opposed to another. Sure, sure. And and I'm sure that informed you um, and kind of, you know, steered you towards plant-based products. How did you come to to that um, sort of specialty um, with your icing? At the time when I started developing the icing, I realized that plant-based products were trending. And that was, I think you had Beyond Meat and you had a couple of other um, companies that were on the market. And and you started to hear a lot about the plant proteins. And um, I thought, well, let me try this because I wanted something healthy. I wanted something that was going to be natural. I didn't want a lot of additives or preservatives. And so that was really the catalyst that pushed me toward plant-based. Right. And you also, on, on your website, you talk about Here's a quote. It says, uh, sweet plant-based protein icing dips that are gluten-free, uh, dairy, nut, and soy and allergen-free. And um, are allergens, you know, something that you personally have experience with or, or you know, how did you uh, include that um, in, in the description? And, and was it intentional? It was intentional. Mm-hmm. I had, uh, because I was targeting kids and I had worked as a social worker, I had worked with some kids that had food allergies. And when I did some research on that, I realized the number of kids, not just kids, but adults that have food allergies. And so I wanted something, knowing everybody loves something sweet, but a lot of times you get deprived of that because of food allergies. So that was definitely intentional. I wanted them to have something sweet, nutritious, delicious, but 
minus and, and be able to enjoy it, not worrying about, am I going to be allergic to this? Sure. Yeah. And we have some, some allergies in, in my family. And, uh, you know, the thing that's opened my eyes is just the number of people that, that suffer um, without knowing that there's an allergy problem, you know, whether it be, you know, dairy or gluten. And so, I, yeah, I think it's, it's something that, uh, you know, as a community, we're just becoming a little bit more cognizant about. But I think it's something that still needs a lot more focus. Yes, definitely. So um, one of the things that you mentioned is that you went to, I can't remember what you said, it's a program or something, but they, it convinced you that you actually didn't want to open a restaurant. And so I just want to kind of understand a little bit of your thinking um, through that process. The culinary incubator mm -hmm. that was uh, offered by a company called Food Hero, H-E period R-O. And the two guys are Juan and Javier and really, really great guys. Uh, still have a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. But just understanding the restaurant business and, you know, front end, back end and what all goes into it. And so when, once you start to understand the process of some things, then you can make a rational decision and say, you know, this is not what I want to do. But I knew I wanted to be in food. That's That was my catalyst for taking that. So I knew I wanted to be in food. But after coming, completing that course, I, th I thought, no, I don't want to do a brick and mortar restaurant, but I can do a consumer package for a CPG product. Right, right. And um, how did you land um, on icing? You know, was that something that you were thinking about before or uh, how did you come to, okay, icing is, is a good place for me to start? When I decided I wanted to do some type of icing frosting for my muffins that I was doing at the time. Okay. And so did you actually launch with muffins then? Was that your first product or no? No, I was just doing those for fun and decided I wanted to do something to top it with and then realize in the process of doing that, that the product could be versatile. You could not only use it as an icing, but as a dip, as a creamer for your coffee. So it had all these unique features to it. Okay. Understood. And so Paradise um, Snacks um, was born out of that. And it looks like you've got a, a number of, of, of flavors um, like caramel, uh, sea salt. All these things are making my mouth water, by the way. They, they all sound great. Yeah, we have two flavors, uh -huh. caramel, sea salt, vanilla, and chocolate. And we are working on strawberry and hopefully some other flavors. But right now we just have the two flavors. Okay. And what's your thinking around when you initially launched, you know, that you wanted to go with, with uh, caramel, sea salt, vanilla, and, um, and chocolate. How did you think about, you know, which, which flavors to launch with? Well, chocolate is kind of a common flavor. Everybody loves something chocolate. Most people love caramel, but most people love vanilla. So we just decided we would merge the caramel, sea salt, vanilla together, and the chocolate is, is by itself. When you start looking at, like, if you look at frosting, typically you see, uh, chocolate, vanilla, strawberry. So you, you see those and most kids love chocolate. That's just hands down. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we came up with that. We did research on flavors, flavor profiles. We did research on that. And so you do sell it as a dip, but then it, it looks like you also sell the, the pretzels as well. Is that right? Or do you, do you sell it in a, in a snack pack with the dip and the pretzels? Is that how you, you, you package it? Yes. Paradise snack packs is, are with the pretzels and the dip on the other side. 
Okay. And then you also have the, the eight ounce jar, you know, that, that you can just purchase. Okay. Okay. And so, um, you know, one of the, the things that's difficult for food entrepreneurs is, is just um, figuring out the number of SKUs to launch with, um, to include. Obviously, the more more SKUs that you you have, it's more to manage. It's more difficult, and it ends up costing a lot of money. How did you think about it? And and uh, you know, is the goal to to keep kind of a tight um, you know a few number of SKUs, or are you going to expand? You know, what what are some of your thoughts about that? Well, we want to continue to focus here in the Northwest Indiana Chicagoland area. Mm-hmm. And we want to get to if we, eventually want to we want to get to six different flavors for the icing, but we want to do it at a slow pace. We don't want to take on too much at one time. And so, um, like right now, we have four SKUs, and that's manageable. And so, we want to increase the SKUs as we grow, but we don't want to have so many SKUs at one time that they become unmanageable. Sure, sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the common mistakes is launching with, you know, like 10 or 12 flavors, you know, and, and people quickly run into trouble um, just in terms of manufacturing costs and inventory costs. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, it's prudent, um, your approach. Um, just take it, take it a day at a time, take it slowly and expand as, as you grow. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yes. So uh, I'm just curious, which of your flavors is your favorite? Caramel sea salt vanilla. <laughs> I think I'd lean that way too. Um, that sounds wonderful. All right. So how do you, um, let, let's switch gears a, a little bit. Um, marketing uh, your, your product. Um, you guys have a website, obviously. Are you in, in Amazon as well? Um, do you have any retail um, partnerships um, that, that you uh, distribute your product through as well? We're not on Amazon yet. Um, we're in GTFO. It's vegan. We're on Fair Wholesale, Abound, and um, we're in on Market Wagon, which is a farmer's market locally here in Northwest Indiana and mm-hmm. the Chicagoland area. And then we are actually in discussion with some um, big box retailers in the area to hopefully carry our product. Oh, that's great. And, um, you know, for, for those that are, you know, looking to get into uh, some of these these big box um, retailers. Um, what what's your approach been? How have you been able to to I guess first of all get in front of the right person uh, to be able to pitch? How have you guys uh, handled that? A lot of emails, a lot of phone calls because you can't drop off stuff now because of the pandemic. But a lot of emails, a lot of phone calls. I always say you have to be patiently persistent. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, and then uh, have you guys done any trade shows um, at all? I know we're in pandemic now, but, you know, with with COVID numbers, hopefully moving in the right direction and trade shows um, starting up again soon. Are, is that something that you guys have done? And is it something that you're planning on doing? We're planning on doing some. We have not done any as of yet, but we are planning on doing some. Okay. And are there any uh, particular shows that you're looking at? Expo West, I think that's coming up in September. So mm-hmm. we've, we've talked about that, but we're not sure yet. Uh, we may do uh, sweets and snacks because that's going to be in Indianapolis this year in June. So we're considering that one. Right, right. Um, and are there any shows there in like, um, you're close to Chicago, right? Yes. I, I seem to remember there, there's a couple, there's a private label show that's pretty big that would probably be good for you guys. Um, I, I don't know if you've considered a private label. Have you, have you looked into doing that? We haven't as of yet. 
Okay. We've just been focusing on really trying to grow the brand as he is. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're making some changes coming up this summer. And so that's where we are. We just really just wanted to focus in on that. Okay. Um, and and uh, just uh, digging into a little bit about you had this idea for icing. Um, looks like you attended a couple programs that, you know, taught you a little bit more about the business and you started learning about the business. How did you approach uh, manufacturing? Is that something that you guys, you know, did, did in-house, maybe rented a, a kitchen, you know, I've seen that approach, or did you find a, a co-packer um, a manufacturing partner that you could use? We do have a co-packer manufacturing partner, but right now we're still in-house. Okay. And, and it, do you have a, plans uh, to continue to do that you know i'm just i'm just interested in some of your thinking no as we start to grow then we will uh transfer everything over to our co-packer yeah and and you know it's actually a pretty good approach uh, a lot of people find that that early on you know especially if your product is still evolving and you're still um you know tweaking here and there um it's nice to have that control early on and then once y- you need to scale then maybe that's that's the better time to kick it out to a co-packer. Um, is that how you guys are looking at it as well? Yes. As like I said, we do have one, but as we start to scale up and get more stores and it becomes too much for us to keep it in house, then we'll switch over to our co-packer. Okay. One of the things people find um, to be pretty difficult in, you know, as a food entrepreneur is to find a good co-packer. How did your relationship with, with your current co-packer, how did, how did that develop? How did you find them? Just went through, <laughs> really, I went through the yellow pages and started calling co-packers. I looked for co-packers that could handle the type of application that I had and co-packers that would work with small emerging brands. Okay. And um, any tips for other people that might be looking um, for a good manufacturer? So for instance, um, uh, you know, you may have come across uh, several of them. How did you know that you'd found somebody that that would be a good partner for for your business? After I met with them and and looked at the facility and looked at the capabilities, and then I knew which one we would go with. But I would say, if you're looking for that, I would say you need to look on LinkedIn. I would also say join different food groups. Like I'm in a group called Food Bevy. And it's designed to help entrepreneurs. I'm participating in Retail Ready. That's through Allison Ball, Food Bevy's Jordan Buckner. And so I've gone to different seminars. I've been on a lot of Zoom meetings. And so you just start asking. Once you get around other food entrepreneurs, you just start asking. And you get like a list of things that you need, uh, whether it's co-pack or distribution, packaging, branding. And so once you start getting into those communities and familiarize yourself with everything, then you start to get information that you need. Okay. That's actually really good advice. Um, So you mentioned Food Bevy, and then um, you talked about uh, Food Hero. And what are are some of the other, you know, communities or programs um, that that you're plugged into? Retail Ready. Mm -hmm. What do they do? They actually prepare you. It's, it's, it's very similar. It's kind of similar to Food Bevy, but they get you ready to get your product on shelf space. They help you with developing your uh, sales sheets. It's a group. They do Wednesday Facebook groups um, and you get homework assignments. They have the recordings that you can go back and listen to. 
So for me, it's been very helpful as far as just really crafting the letter to send to buyers, you know, what you should say, what you should focus on. It's also been helpful to be in a group with other like-minded people that have some of the same struggles and some of the same feelings that I have. Right. It's been very helpful. Right. Um, and, and food bevy, um, what's your experience been with them? The very similar, very similar experience. Um, it's a subscription. And so what you do is they have, a list of buyers that come in, buyers that are on there, you get uh, information to the grocery stores and the places like Target and the Walmarts, that information is in there. They have, um, they bring in guest speakers to talk about different issues that we have, like I said, packaging, distribution, labeling, um, all of that comes into play when you think about it. And so we get to hear those um uh, webinars, let me see, the opportunities that come up, like a lot of companies will come on board with Food Bevy and you get a discount from there if you want to use their services like food photography, um, and help with your social media. So those kind of things are, are beneficial and you, most people don't even know about them until you get into the CPG or food business and then you start to realize I need to do A, B, C, and D, but how do I do that? Sure, sure. Well, yeah, those are those are some fantastic resources. You know, any any advice for for um, food entrepreneurs that are grinding it out? You know, and, um, you know, I'm thinking specifically, you know, about this pandemic and, and just the toll it's taken on on everybody. You know, are, are any pieces of advice that, that you could give them? Uh, you know, one of one of the things, you know, that I'm kind of getting at a little bit is, is you seem to, you know, found a way to connect uh, to, to other people in the space and other people that are, you know, maybe going through some of this, uh, the same challenges. And, and that seems, you know, very important, especially at this time. Um, so any any pieces of advice that you would give to, to other entrepreneurs that are currently in the struggle? Definitely. You've got to keep your focus. And I think you can't be afraid to meet people, to share your story, um, to express your emotions. Because all of us in this food business, we have that those periods of highs and lows and we experience the loneliness and we get all the no's, no, no, no. So we, we're we all on this journey together. And so my journey really started with the incubator that I took with Food Hero. When I went through that with them, uh, I met them and one of the guys in there, Juan, he's a foodie. And so from them, I started to meet other people because I would attend different events in Chicago. And I would go to events over here. And then I also um, started through Purdue. They have a location here. The commercial commercialization center is in not too far from my house. And so I met some people over there and just really started to make different connections through there. But you've got to be able, you know, when you get advice or information, or you have information, you need to be able to share it too. And so just networking, it comes down to networking and just really expressing what your needs are and being willing to listen. This was brand new for me. And so I didn't have a clue of some of the technology, some of the language. So now when people say stuff to me, I understand. I can tell you with it what they're saying. And I don't feel like I'm in a room that I'm the only person in the room that doesn't know what somebody is saying. 
And so I would just say definitely uh, focusing on your LinkedIn. It's a great tool. Uh, I've met some interesting people over on Clubhouse and just dropping in some of the rooms. And a lot of times on LinkedIn, when there's something going on, they will say, hey, this is where I'm going to be at five o'clock this evening uh, if you want to invite. And so those are things that I would say, just really building you a good network and building good relationships with the people in this space. Find people that that can be your mentor because, um, you know, I bootstrapped everything. So I don't have a lot of money. And so I'm always seeking for information, but I don't just wait. I go and I read, I research any article that comes across my desk or, you know, email to me. If I'm just reading, I'm doing the research all the time. So I'm not just sitting waiting for people to give me information. I am proactive as well. That's great. Thanks, Emily. What about, um, you know, what's next for you guys, um, you know, throughout this year? And, and, you know, so what are, what are you excited about? What's, what's next for your business? Well, we are doing some rebranding and some repackaging. So I'm super excited about that. Mm-hmm. We're going to be updating our website and then working on the new flavors and hopefully launching in some of these stores, some of these big box stores in the summer. Excellent. Now, that, that is pretty exciting. Well, let's uh, let's switch gears. Let's uh, jump into the quick fire round. I've got four questions for you, and just uh, tell me the first thing that comes to you, to your mind. Uh, name one tool or resource that you feel has has really helped you uh, with with your current position. Food bevy. Okay, food bevy. You, you mentioned LinkedIn as well. You gave us actually a bunch of resources, but but food bevy. How come? Because there are people on there that are just like me. They're in the food space. They have some of the same struggles I have. And it's easy to talk to them and I can say something or, you know, if you just having one of those moments, you just need to call somebody and talk to them. That is a space for you to just go and say, let me just exhale for a moment. In addition to the resources that it brings to the table that are so beneficial, particularly when you're working on a limited budget, those are just great resources and it's, it's a great tool. So kudos to Jordan, Jordan Buckner for doing that for us. And uh, what's one book that has helped you the most in your career? I don't know. Okay, that's all right. We can we can skip that one. Okay. And uh, what about one piece of advice that you would give to your 21 year old self? Don't be afraid to fail early, fail fast, get up and move on. And who is uh, one person um, in your field of work uh, that you would love to have lunch with? I don't know who that would be. Let's see. I'd like to have lunch with Mark Cuban. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's pretty cool. Yeah, that would be a fun lunch, actually. All right. Well, Emily, um, I think that uh, you've been a fantastic guest and um, given us some some really good nuggets of, of wisdom. Um, I especially, you know, think it's it's helpful what you've said about you know um, networking and connecting with other people that are in the in the same space. Are, are there any sort of parting words of advice that that you could give um, other entrepreneurs? Find one product. Focus on one product. Don't try to consume three and four SKUs at one time. Find that one product. Perfect it. Get your customers to fall in love with that one product and then build around that product. Okay, excellent. And um, if uh, somebody wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way to do that? For me, for my website, Paradise, P-A-R-A-D-I-S-E, 
snacks, S-N-A-X.com. We're also on Instagram, Emily's E-M-I-L-Y-S underscore foods, F-O-O-D-S. And we're on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn under my name, as well as under Emily's Foods. My name is Emily D. Edwards under LinkedIn. On Facebook is Emily's Foods. And so any one of those, if you send us a message, we try to respond in a timely manner. And so I'm just, I'm happy to be here. And if anyone has any questions, want to try the product, please buy it. Please go to our website and order it. And please write a feedback once you buy it. Okay, excellent. And Paradise Snacks is the best place to buy your product? ParadiseSnacks.com? Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, snacks with an X. And uh, we'll make sure to include uh, these links um, in the show notes. Well, Emily, I, I appreciate you taking the time and, uh, you know, sharing with us, uh, you know, a little bit about your journey. I think this has been a fantastic interview. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. All right. You take care. Bye-bye. The Physical Product Movement Podcast is brought to you by Fiddle. To find out more about Fiddle, and how our industry-leading inventory ops platform is giving modern brands and manufacturers full visibility into their inventory and operations, visit fiddle.io. And then make sure to search for physical product movement in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Fiddle, thanks for listening. Real quick before this episode starts, I want to ask you, are you still using spreadsheets to manage your inventory, suppliers, co-packers, and production? Unless you're a wizard with sales and formulas, you can only grow so much with spreadsheets. When you're selling on your website, in retail stores, in online marketplaces, and more, it gets hard to track your inventory levels. Stockouts become a regular occurrence and fulfilling orders keep you awake at night. Use Fiddle instead. Our software is built to help CPG businesses like yours scale more easily with constant insight into your inventory and production at all levels. Go to fiddle.io to learn more and schedule a personalized demo.